Hello friends, welcome or welcome back. You're listening to Strictly Crime with me, Alex. I hope you guys are all doing amazing on this fabulous March day. Spring is finally in session here in Ohio. We've had amazing weather lately. I've been going out in nature like every possible day I can. It has been awesome. Um, Yeah, I've just been hanging out and I hope you guys are all doing amazing too. I don't think there has been really anything crazy going on in the true crime world. I have heard of some small cases here and there. I did, for some reason, see this article. It was talking about like this 80-year-old woman who was like a serial killer who had been found and they found like a skull in her house. But I just saw like a small thing on Instagram about it. And I was like, whoa. So I need to read more into that and what the hell was going on there. But nothing too crazy going on. Um, This week's case is kind of a smaller one because it is a disappearance. There's not a heaping amount of, you know, evidence and stuff like that. Um, It is the case of Elaine Park. And she went missing from California. And we'll get into all of that. But I wanted, I, I noticed that on my past episodes, every single episode was about a white person. And I want diversity on my podcast. I want to talk about minorities and, you know, people of color and people that, you know, their cases don't get talked about enough and get brushed over. Like, as we all know, the Gabby Petito case was a huge case and she was a white woman. And a lot of people were in a way upset because, There's all these indigenous women who are going missing from around the same areas and who are not getting talked about. So I want to make sure that I talk about um, minorities and Elaine Park is of Asian descent. I believe she is Korean. And so I wanted to talk about her today. Next week, we're going to be talking all about Emmett Till. And he was a young black man in the 50s. And kind of going to talking about him a little you know, uh, a couple episodes ago, I did all about Elizabeth Short and his case happened not even 10 years later. And, you know, a lot of bad things happened to him and his murderers were, were acquitted. So it's just, it's really this really sad cycle. And I want to make sure that I give all these victims an equal representation So we're going to be talking about Elaine Park today, and if you guys want to hear her story and what has happened to her, definitely stick around, and we're going to get right into it. All right, so we're going to go ahead and start giving a little bit of information about Elaine. Um, at the time of her disappearance, she was 20 years old. So she was born on September 24th in 1996. And she was like known as a very outgoing, spontaneous, artistic person, just someone who was in a way like in the spotlight. She, she seemed there was like this video, um, if you guys want to go listen to a, another podcast, it's called Live and Die in LA. I listened to all of it and he actually like helps the investigation of Elaine Park and her disappearance. And he plays this little snippet of this like rap song she wrote. So she was like a very creative person, it seemed like. She 
lived with her parents, but they ended up divorcing. And so she ultimately lived with her mother, Susan, and they lived in La uh, Crescenta, California. And it's just north of LA is where she lived. She had a brother named Dustin and they had bonded over music, which they both really enjoyed. He also said that in the Live and Die LA podcast and that they really started bonding over music and then she went missing and it really, it really gave him some trauma and he really was upset about that. So she went to Crescenta Valley High School. She was known to make lots of friends in, you know, interviews and stuff I listened to. She just had like a a, a plethora of friends and she just seemed like a very easygoing person. Like you could get along with her just fine. Um, so she made lots of friends. She had a large group of people she could hang out with. In high school, she was on the cheerleading team and eventually achieved the role of the cheer squad champion. She was also active in the school's theater program, especially loving musical theater and dance, which is amazing. I am going to post pictures on the Strictly Crime Instagram if you guys want to go follow. She is like beautiful, absolutely freaking stunning, like oh my goodness, and Um, she was definitely someone that I would probably want to hang out with when I was in high school. She just seemed really awesome. After graduating high school, she attended Pierce College in LA, but had recently dropped out at the time of her disappearance. She had just lost her restaurant job around this time as well. And she was like an aspiring actress. She loved poetry and art and music, like we were saying. She had actually some small roles in TV shows and movies before she went missing. So she had parts in Crazy Stupid Love, Role Models, ER, Mad TV, and Desperate Housewives. Um, I actually want to go look on YouTube to see if I can like find those, to see if I can find like the parts she did. She had an on and off again boyfriend, and she was actually with him the night she went missing. His name was, well is, (laughs) not was, his name is Divine compare and he goes by div that's like his little nickname he is the son of a successful hollywood businessman which is uh, shakim compare which i've never heard of him i would have to look him up they live they lived in like a gated community and they lived in calabasas um california which we all know that's where all of the elitists live so he she had like a pretty wealthy boyfriend Um, now going into the night before she went missing and kind of what led up to her just never being seen on January 27th, 2017. So this is very recent case. So this is really important that we get this case out there because the more time goes on, the less likely she is gonna, you know, to be found. So it's amazing that people are doing podcasts on this case and that, you know, there's getting coverage because we need to get this woman found even if she is deceased. You know, we want her family to be able to, you know, grieve and be able to lay her to rest. So, like I was saying, on January 27th, 2017, she sent her mother a text message before leaving in an Uber with her then-boyfriend to go see a movie around 10 p.m. 
and the two returned to his home around 1 a.m. and went inside so she could stay the night. Security footage from the driveway confirms this timeline. And I believe the Uber driver also spoke out and said they seemed like in a very good mood. They weren't like fighting. They were like cuddled up next to each other. So nothing seemed wrong at this time. They go in to go to sleep pretty much. Now it says that Div claims that about 4 a.m., Around that time, Elaine woke up and she was having some sort of panic attack, maybe. He said that she was shaking, kind of singing to herself, acting very odd. And he says that he tried to calm her down, talk to her, like get her to lay back down, stay with him. But ultimately, he says that she had gotten dressed and left about two hours later at 6.05 a.m. She is seen on the security footage walking to her car. No, doesn't look like she was distressed at all anymore. Leaving the property. After she drove away, the driveway camera stopped recording. Which is, you know, obviously it could be a faulty camera. Who knows? But that does seem very suspicious. The gated security camera that only records the vehicle's license plates showed Elaine's car leaving the community at 7.14 a.m., but police later claim that the cameras may not have been updated with the time change and that it was actually 6.14 a.m., they believe, but it was never confirmed or disproven either way. Even if it was at like around 6.14, this leaves about nine minute time gap that is unaccounted for. The drive from her boyfriend's house to the gate entrance would only take a couple minutes. And this time gap kind of seems a little bit too long and a little bit suspicious to some. Elaine has never been seen again. Never. For the next two days, Elaine did not answer her mother's calls or texts or her mother's boyfriend's text messages or calls either. Her mother tried to call the Glendale Police Department and as it was unusual and out of character for her daughter to not answer her. They had texted a lot and um, her mom was more equipped with technology. So it's not like, like I lived with my grandparents a lot of my life, most of my life. And they didn't, you know, really understand phones, but her mother was younger and they and they talked on the phone a lot. So that definitely is unusual. If your daughter normally answers all your texts and calls, all of a sudden she's not. It's good that she went to the police. So she was actually told, Susan was, the mother, that she should come back the next day. Because Elaine is an adult, the police assumed that she just did not want to talk to anyone, probably ran away somewhere. And this is the most dumbest shit ever because every single fucking case that I listen to, like, it's it infuriates me. Every missing persons case or runaway, not runaway, but person that goes missing or whatever, even murdered, once they are not seen and their parents are like, this is unusual, you need to put out a missing persons report, they're like, no, they're just a runaway. Even if it's like a... 13 year old girl or whatever no she's they're just a runaway 
And pretty much every single time that is disproven that they're not a runaway and they got murdered because the first 48 hours are the most important. And now you're saying, come back in 24 hours, which is wasting a whole day when you could be looking for this person. You know what I mean? And I hate the police do this. If a parent or a friend or whatever comes to you and says, this is very unusual. They would never not answer my calls. And now they're nowhere to be found. That should be a huge red flag because the family of these people know best. So I really hope that one day the police departments can kind of understand this and wrap their heads around this. There's not a lot of runaways like now and then, but usually it's something not right. So they said, come back tomorrow. And an official police report wasn't made until Monday, January 30th, three days later, which is right in the time when they need to be searching for her and when the most critical information can be found, which is really upsetting. The police questioned Div, the boyfriend, but ruled him out as a suspect simply because he was cooperative with them, which is, that, that seems like a, a great, a great reason to. Uh, obviously, he's going to be cooperative even if he did do something. I'm not saying he did or didn't because we don't know, but if he did do something, you would think he wanna, would want to cover his ass and be like sucking up to the cops. You know what I mean? So just because he was cooperative, that doesn't mean anything. Susan, Elaine's mom, was not happy about this, and neither would I. Oh my gosh. She wished the police would have at least investigated his home and the surrounding area, but no searches had been done. Not a single thing. On February 2nd, 2017, five days after she went missing, the police found her car. She drives a charcoal gray 2015 Honda Civic, and it was found abandoned 20 miles from her boyfriend's house on the Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu. This was a 45-minute drive from his home. Her car was found with all of her personal belongings inside, including her backpack, her laptop, her keys, cell phone, and ID. The keys had actually been left in the ignition, but they weren't like the car wasn't started. It had looked like it was just like turned to the the auxiliary. So the battery ended up dying and the doors were all unlocked as well. So her keys were still in the ignition, which is a pretty big red flag as well. Once her car was found, the police began the their full investigation, but they noted that no sign of a struggle or blood was found in the car. They believe Elaine left the car voluntarily. They brought in four bloodhounds, cadaver dogs, drones, ATVs, and a dive team to search the cliffs, shore, and parts of the ocean, but they had found no trace of Elaine. The investigators strongly believe that she may have taken her own life, but her family believes otherwise. Especially if they're saying that, you know, she, she seemed like a happy girl. She was had a lot of friends. Obviously, we know people that are outgoing on the outside. Some have, you know, internal problems. But nothing kind of seemed like she was going to commit suicide. She was, I mean, she literally just went out to see a movie. Normally, people will sell their things, get rid of stuff, you know, 
write down their thoughts in a journal. There's some sort of indication, but it seems like there's really not much here other than she left the car voluntarily. And that obviously does not mean suicide. In the beginning of the investigation, Elaine's mother put up a $500,000 reward for information on her daughter, but the offer expired on Elaine's 21st birthday, which was, I believe, a year later. This large reward, uh, reward offer brought in no new leads. After the police refused to search Elaine's boyfriend's house and essentially told her mother that Elaine was most likely, you know, had committed suicide or ran away to start a new life, which I have never like heard of a story where someone actually starts a new life unless it's in a movie. I've never in my life experienced or seen anything remotely close to that. Like, how do you even start a new life? How do you do that? Like, you still have your, like, same name. Like, I don't understand. It makes no sense how you can just start a new life. She's 20 years old. It's not like she had those resources to do that anyways. You know, I'm almost 20. In, like, a month I'll be 20. There's no way I could even fathom running away and starting a new life. You know what I mean? Like, I I live in my town. I, I do what I'm supposed to do and work at my job. And I don't, I don't think she would be capable of something like that. It seems like they're kind of just trying to label it so they can be done with it. That's what it kind of seems like. And obviously, bigger cities in California and like the LAPD and other police departments are not known to be the best because they have so many cases, so many things to deal with. So it kind of seems like they just want to rule it as a runaway, even though signs are pointing to it not being that. Um, Susan then hired her own private investigator because she's like, these people do not know what they're doing. And the name of the man that she hired was Jaden Brandt. And if you guys listen to the Live and Die in LA podcast, it was season two, which is all about Elaine. Um, you can hear him talking about certain things and go into depth about what he is trying to do. I think this was last year was, is when the podcast came out. Um, and he is trying to do his own investigations and stuff. So you can hear a little bit more about that. And they go into some interviews and kind of get his perspective of things. Um, and he thinks that foul play was definitely involved in her disappearance as I, I do as well. I definitely, it, something seems suspicious here. Definitely. The police have claimed that they won't rule out foul play, but they say there is no evidence to prove that, which I understand there's no blood or scratch marks or signs of her um, in a struggle. So I understand that part, but it still doesn't really seem like she would just hop out the car and what jump jump off the, the cliff. You would have found her body. You know what I mean? So they can't really rule anything out, but Brant brought his findings to the police and they kind of dismissed his evidence, saying it was a bunch of theories with no real hard evidence to back up his claims. The current status of her case is that Elaine's family is still looking for her and they will not stop until they hopefully find her. 
Her mother, Susan, had set up a reward of $140,000 for information regarding her daughter, and they have made a Facebook page dedicated to giving updates and information and other missing persons cases. The Facebook page is called Help Find Elaine Park, which I do not use Facebook, so I didn't go and look at that. I'm not sure if it is still up. I, I believe it was, um, but that's what they had been... Um, talking about and that's what they said that they had been using her family still believes she was a victim of foul play and elaine's case gained broader attention when this to live and die in la came out and that's actually where i had heard this like i said i started my podcast because i listened to true crime podcasts all day long at work i've listened to about 20 different true crime podcasts and i'm still trying to look for more and listen to you know more smaller cases i mean smaller podcasts and find you know newer podcasters that maybe i can make friends with and i last year before i had even thought about making a podcast I found this one and started listening to it and he does amazing work. I forget the guy's name that hosts it and kind of, he's like the main guy who speaks in it and stuff, um, but he does an amazing job and it is amazing that he was able to bring more light to her case because again, I had never heard of it. So now I'm doing a case on it. So it is amazing what one person, one podcast can do. Um, I mean, obviously you guys know about the Morbid podcast, I'm sure, because they're huge here on Spotify and other platforms. And, you know, they bring light to um, uh, huge cases and small cases. And, and sometimes they're able to kind of help push for more work to be done. So I think it's amazing that people are talking about Elaine's case and getting it out there. And I definitely, like I said, recommend listening to this podcast because he does an amazing job and you can hear kind of him go more in depth in these theories and all you can think of about her case. Uh, one theory though, is that she obviously, like we said, committed suicide. So the police and many others believe that she had ended her own life because she was known to have bouts of depression. She had just dropped out of college, gotten laid off from her job. It's possible that her and her boyfriend had gotten to an argument or that she was just in a very bad mindset when she left his house at 6 a.m. Um, proponents of this theory believe that Elaine went to Malibu for a drive and could have just decided that the time was right for her. And it wasn't uncommon for her to go to Malibu with friends or by herself to calm down and get away for a little bit. So this is, might have been like a safe place for her to go and end her life, potentially. Her and her mother didn't actually have the best relationship. And they fought over texts. And you know how teenagers and young adults get, especially with their parents. Sometimes it can seem like they're enemies in some cases. Um, and on the podcast I listened to, Susan had actually, they actually went through Elaine's old text messages and they found text messages between Susan and her. And Susan was telling her to die, die, die repeatedly in these text messages, which does look a little suspicious, but they could have been in a very bad argument or fight. It was said that they would fight over money a lot and they just weren't they were drifting apart, it seemed, and Susan really wanted Elaine to be found because she wants to fix that relationship. She wants to make it better, it seems like, but that 
you know, that's kind of a bad sign that, you know, if her mother's telling her to die, even if it was just out of, you know, her being overwhelmed and upset, that still could have pushed her potentially to do something like that to herself. Elaine had actually went to a concert in July of 2015, and she was reportedly sexually assaulted and ultimately raped. She was extremely intoxicated that night. It was at a, like I said, the concert, and she lost all of her belongings. She didn't know what had happened until someone had actually shown her a video of it, and she posted tweets calling the person out but did not name them. She was just pretty much saying, like, you know what you did, you know who you are, you're going to be sorry, and she was talking about wanting justice for herself. She later deleted these tweets, but did these individuals potentially hurt Elaine to shut her up? We don't know. It's kind of scary to think about, and she could have been dealing with the hardship of being sexually assaulted, and that could have also pushed her to maybe commit suicide as well. Was she abducted? Um, after leaving her boyfriend's house and driving down the Pacific Coast Highway, she may have had another like panic attack while driving and pulled over to kind of get herself together. Um, she may have simply wanted to stop and look at the ocean to calm herself down from the night's events. And someone could have saw her doing this and kind of snuck up on her or, you know, saw her car on the side of the road and taken her and driven off. We don't know. Uh, Pacific Coast Highway is a huge highway if you've never been to California or surrounding areas. Uh, I personally actually stayed on Pacific Coast Highway and uh, it was in Oceanside where I stayed on vacation and it's a really like bustling road. Um, So there's a lot of cars that drive down there and someone could have gotten her seriously, especially in a huge town close to L.A., who really knows? One problem with this theory that despite it being very early on Saturday morning, this is a popular highway, so it's hard to imagine that someone could have taken her, but without anyone seeing, which that makes total sense. Um, because yeah, there could have been some sort of witness. Oh, I, yeah, I saw that car on the side of the highway and I saw a girl and a man. There had to have been someone. Plus six o'clock is usually during like rush hour for work and stuff. So it's kind of it doesn't make sense like you would also think that maybe the they should have seen her like get out of her car maybe because it was busy um not even if someone taken her like did no one see her like get out of her car or sitting in her car at that time that's kind of something to think about too was her boyfriend involved that is a also another theory which i have some i don't know if he did it but i have some kind of thoughts on that um a lot of people still believe that cops let him you know go too easily they kind of believe that he had something to do with her disappearance and some believe that after she left the driveway and the camera stopped recording he followed her something maybe have happened to her special speculation says that it could have easily been him driving her car as it left the gated community because the camera was like really shitty and it didn't like show the whole car just kind of got the license plates so he could have been driving her car um and then maybe could have he abandoned it along that highway he never said that there was an argument or a fight but there's a lot of suspicious time that's kind of unaccounted for 
she was at his house for two hours after she woke up and like before she left so were they he he claims that she just put on clothes and left but that doesn't take two hours to do so were they fighting what was going on during those two hours um some people think that maybe she had went to go over there and went to the movie and she had brought up her getting sexually assaulted because she really wanted to get justice for herself and wanted to go and talk to police so maybe she could have been talking to him about that and maybe he knew these people and who really knows honestly there's a lot of loopholes and a lot of things that we don't know much about um only elaine knows what happened to her and I really hope that she can be found one day. She went, like I said, she went missing on January 28th, 2017, early in the morning. She was 5'5 and weighed 125 pounds at the time of her disappearance. She had brown hair and brown eyes with her hair waist length and the tips of it were dyed blonde. She is of Asian and Korean descent and she was 20 years old at the time of her disappearance. She has her ears and nose pierced and she also has several tattoos, which I will also post pictures of. One is a dagger and flowers on her right arm, a rose on her left shoulder, a cow skull and a moth on her left arm. She was last seen wearing a white sweatshirt and denim shorts, but she may have been wearing gray sweatpants because it was early in the morning and it was cold and she had like a bag with her. So Elaine's suffers from depression and is classified as endangered missing. If you have any information, call the tip line at 1-800-551-3080 or Glendale Police Department at 818 818- five four eight four nine one one some sources i used were to live and die in la season two soapboxy.com the charlie project wikipedia and that is all the information we have on uh, elaine um i didn't go into too much detail about some things that went on in her life and kind of what they talked about in the podcast um, that i listened to because I don't want to obviously copy them or anything and I think it's good to go and listen to what evidence they have and what they've been researching and stuff like that um so that's all the information we have on Elaine like I said she is a beautiful girl someone that I would have been wanting to hang out with she seemed like the popular girl and just all around seemed like an amazing person to hang with she loved music and it's just really sad because she was so young and I'm almost the age that she was when she went missing. I could not imagine, you know, being in a, a crazy situation. And personally, like I said, I believe there was foul play involved. So imagining myself being either taken or, or murdered, it just seems so scary. And I'm hoping that the last minutes of her life, if she is deceased, went peacefully and she didn't get tortured or you know really hurt so bad if you guys have any information on her definitely call like I said I will post pictures on strictly crime Instagram if you guys want to go follow over there and that's really all I got I hope you guys enjoyed this I did want to do a little smaller case and like I said a lot of disappearance cases are quite short because there's not too much information on them. They don't have 
a lot of things are just speculation like all my theories and stuff they have no really evidence on that it's just kind of what people think may have happened so definitely kind of definitely dm me and tell me what you guys think uh, like happened to her um and i really thank you guys for listening like i said next week we're going to be going over emmett till and all about him and the craziness that was his death and so if you guys are excited for that definitely follow and put on notifications so you can get my next episode already and thanks guys for listening i hope you guys have an amazing day and i will talk to you guys on my next episode see ya